Uh, would you turn in your Bible or pull out your phone, however you're accessing the scripture today, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read to you that in just a minute, but I do have to get this out of my head right now. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for your uh, mention of your singing in your vehicle right now, because all that I can think of right now is you singing, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I can think of. So I just had to get that out because, whew, okay, now we can move on. <laughs> Pastor riding down the road. Da, 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 da. Okay, anyway. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Uh, would you stand as we read the word of the Lord together today? And as I finish, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. We're going to skip over the more often read part of chapter 13, the love chapter. Um, and we're going to kind of skip down to verse 8 and begin there. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. Now, imagine you had a friend, and this may be a, a true story, you may be able to relate to this, but imagine you had a friend growing up, and you met him or her at school and, or at church, and y'all were just good friends. Maybe they were in, you know, someone that um, you met through a sports team. And y'all became good friends with them. You just did all the things that they do. Y'all spoke the same language. Y'all enjoyed the same things, enjoyed the same foods and all that. And you invited that friend to come over to your house for, uh, to spend the night or whatever, and they came over and y'all had fun. And y'all would go to different places. Y'all would meet at the Roller skating rink to go roller skating. Anybody? Rivergate skate. Anybody? Hendersville skating rink. Y'all remember? Okay. You, you would, uh, you'd go to these places together and, and you'd enjoy each other's company. You'd play sports. You'd do all the things. But then one time this friend says, hey, man, I want you. Would you come to my house? And I want you to come to my house and, and, and uh, maybe you can, we can hang out and we could do some things and you could just stay the night and then your parents could pick you up in the morning. That'd be great. You're like, that's awesome. I've never been to the, your house before. That's great. Well, your friend gives you directions to his house and your parents are driving you there and you're like driving and you're like all of a sudden go out of the subdivisions. You go out into the country and then all of a sudden you recognize that some of the houses around are like really large. And then you get to this address and it says, you know, 7657 Old Country Road, right? And you come to the to this like large stone pillar that says 7647 Old, I don't know actually if I got that the same. But go with me here. All right? Old Country Road and it's this large stone pillars in this this giant gate and at the gate there's a guard house 
and the guard comes and he says, who are you here to see? And you're like, uh, I'm here to see Carl, <laughs> my friend Carl. I just made that up. I, don't, I didn't have a friend Carl. Maybe you did. But, and he's like, okay, let me call. And he calls and then all of a sudden the gates open. And then it, there's this beautiful stone paved driveway that winds and you can't even see the house from the road and you pull up to the house and it's this circle drive and you pull around to the house and the butler comes out and he opens your door for you and you're like where am I what kind of universe did I step into and then all of a sudden and the from the front door comes your friend running out to meet you he's like hey man welcome to my house and you're just stunned you're like I had no idea that you like were rich. <laughs> you know, I had no idea that like you lived in a mansion. He's like, I mean, I just never really, I mean, it's not a big deal. I just never had a chance to talk to you. And then you go out and you get to see his room and you get to see his house and you get to see the, the indoor pool and the indoor bowling alley. You know I mean? Cause that was the thing back in the day, you know, if you had an indoor bowling alley, you were, you were the bee's knees, right? So you enjoy this time with your friend. And I think that is a really a metaphor that doesn't quite reach the implications, but it helps us to see that this friend that we have in Jesus, he has gone to prepare a place for you and a place for me. And I suspect that one of the immediate revelations that we will have when we stand before him, when we pass from this life into eternity, is that we will have this overwhelming weight of understanding all that Jesus left. We will have this uncontrollable need to bow before the Lord because we will see that the glory of Jesus, not just in the, uh, in the buildings of heaven, and the construction of heaven, but in the glory of God that permeates every single inch of heaven and eternity, that we will know fully the weight of that small phrase that says, the word became flesh and walked among us. Because right now it is very difficult in our human senses, in our very limited, although we think very wonderful and wide five senses, it is very difficult to understand the nature of eternal things. It's very difficult to wrap our minds around what it means for the word to become flesh and to walk among us. It, it's, it's difficult for us to understand what it means for the son of man to die for us. And for him to be seated at the right hand of the Father. All of the, the pictures even that John describes in Revelation of, of streets of gold or gates of pearl or, or walls that are made of carbuncle. What is carbuncle? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's difficult for us to wrap our minds around it. And yet, we have to pursue the taste of eternity. And yet we have to keep in our minds and, and seek to understand the weight of all that Jesus left. Because we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
And now we know in part, but then we shall know fully. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And are we, are, to be, uh, are we to be blamed then for not really understanding eternity? Not really understanding what, it, what heaven is really like? Are we to be blamed because the scripture tells us that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No mind has perceived what God has in store for those who love him. So in some sense, we are actually not even able in our mortal body to have an understanding of what eternity is. And yet, our spirit man can understand. And yet we can be given and we are given a taste of eternity through the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Through the presence and persons of Jesus, we have a taste of eternity through his word. And when we open these pages, what we're getting is a taste of eternity, a taste of something that is beyond this life. You, you see, our, our lives are so filled up with noisy things, things that really activate our five senses, that oftentimes the thought of something that could be better than that is just difficult to see. And that's why our, we're going to have four points today. Our first point today is the glory of heaven is not attractive to mortal men. The glory of heaven, God's glory, is just not attractive to our senses. Because no eye has seen or ear has heard, then really it's like having a taste for something and having a desire for something you've never tasted. Any sushi fans in the place? Any sushi opponents in the place? You hate sushi. How many of you raising your hands now have ever tasted sushi? Okay. See, some of you did not raise your hands. Therefore, you do not know. You have not tasted and seen the glory of sushi, okay? I have this memory, and I'm not sure. You probably have these too. I have this memory of when I was a child that I'm not sure is true or not, but it still it works for a good story in a sermon. <laughs> but... I feel like I remember my stepdad actually taking an onion and taking a bite out of the onion like it was an apple. And, and I just was so grossed out and appalled by that. Um, <laughs> and yet, because I didn't like onions, right? And yet, as I've grown older, uh, I've acquired a taste for onions, right? I, have, I love onions. And when we go to the, the uh, Chewies, you know, or Uncle Julio's, if you need some, if you need some good text mix, you gotta go to Uncle Julio's. It's just that's my PSA for you today. But anyway, you go to Uncle Julio's, you get the pile of onions and peppers. I used to never eat them, and now I can't pile enough on. Something has happened. Something has changed. Something has transformed in my taste buds, in my appetite. That at some point I got enough of it. I got enough of a taste of it. I grew enough in my adulthood in my manhood that I, I like the onions now, right? And in some ways, that is how we are born into this world, that the glory of heaven is on the surface, not attractive to us. I love what, uh, what C.S. Lewis says in his, uh, he did a, a lecture called The Weight of Glory. He says, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of rewards promised in the Gospels, 
it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. And just as our mind cannot comprehend it, our souls were made for it. You are not just bone and flesh. You are a soul, an eternal soul that was made by God for fellowship with God, that was made by God to experience eternal things, that was made by God for the glory of God that is eternal. And are you too easily pleased with the trappings of this life? Am I too easily pleased with the pleasures of this life that I am missing what it looks like to dig and to find an appetite for eternal things, for the glory of heaven? Because in the absence of eternal glory and a taste for it, we are left with one logical aim, and that is the glory of self. And this is the sin and the desire and the downfall of mankind from the beginning to now to the end it will be the glorification of self is what we're left with when we don't see and cannot taste and see the glory of God this is what you and I friends must be vigilant about because number one the glory of heaven is not attractive to mortal man but number two the glory of man has always been the pursuit of mortal man Paul says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world at all places and all times has been the glorification of man and an attempt to turn away from or replace the glory of God. See, one thing that we fear And the the man who is obsessed, the woman who is obsessed with glorifying ourselves, the one thing we fear most is being an outsider. Being seen as someone who is uncool or being seen as someone, even if you're a rebel and you don't care if you're not cool, you want to be an outsider because there are outsiders out there with you who, with whom you are an insider. Does that make sense? We are all part of these circles and we all desire so deeply and this is the temptation of our age. We desire so deeply to be glorified, to be, to be known, to be lifted up on our own, to be seen, to be applauded. I'm the chief of all sinners in that with you. Because we do not want to be an outsider. But here's the danger. The day has come and will continue to increase in, t- in intensity when the person who chooses to believe in the eternal truth of God and live according to the instruction of Scripture, will be an outsider. You've become so accustomed, as Robert Frost talks about in his poem, The Road Not Taken, he talks, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I'm sorry I could not travel both. But being one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And he saw, what he saw was that there was a path that was well laid and well trodden, and one that was kind of overgrown, right? But for us in our culture, 
in the in a Christian culture where it's had a dominant narrative for so long, we've been able to sit at this why in the path and we've been able to camp out there. We don't have to make a decision that's going to cause us to be an outsider. We don't have to make a decision that's going to be an inflection point, that's going to divide us from the, from the general culture. We, don't ha- we haven't had to do that because the narrative has been there and has been accepted that God's truth is good and it's, it's okay for you. And, and then we're like, okay. But there's going to become a point. There's a wave of people. There's a caravan coming down the road that's going to push you and is pushing you to either go down this path that is well-trodden the path of human and man glorification, or are you going to choose the path of glorifying God with your life? And you are here at the two roads diverged, and you're going to make a choice. And I have a sense that you desire to follow the path that glorifies God and not yourself. Something in your soul desires that. But you must know that there is sacrifice involved in that there is a laying down many iterations of laying down your old self there is there are many iterations daily taking up your cross and following jesus a few weeks ago one of our youth leaders lexi spoke and gave a message in our youth group and she was talking about when jesus said follow me we're like yeah i want to follow jesus but she said don't forget where he was going It's all fun and games and it sounds good to follow Jesus. But do you remember that he was going to the cross? But there's something still that draws us there. Because there's an eternal nature to the call of Jesus. There's something on his words. There's something when we read this word that just stirs somewhere deep. And we can't explain it because no eye has seen And no ear has heard and nor has it entered into the imagination of man what God has in store for those who love him. And yet we know somewhere deep in us that these words stir life in us that cannot be explained. That cannot be experienced with with a smell or a taste or a sight or a touch. It's it's there though and it's real. It's it's the hint of something that's there that we can't quite put our hands to. But I, I hope and my prayer is that You would find yourself like Frost does at the end of that poem. He says, two roads diverged in the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. My friend, choosing to glorify self and choosing to glorify God, if you take the road less traveled, you will find that it will make all of the difference in the end. You will find yourself on the doorstep of the home of heaven of Jesus himself. You will find yourself in the presence, the all-encompassing presence of the Father, and you will go, that has made all the difference. Number three. The glory of God is the hope for mortal man. We see that the glory of heaven is not attractive to us. And the glory of man has always been the pursuit of man. And yet, what we find is that the glory of God is our hope. And we have to learn to know and trust the character of the giver. 
Say your parent has promised you when you were a child or you as a parent have promised your child something and you can't tell them what it is. It's a surprise. Anybody love surprises in the room? Anybody just hate surprises? You can just raise your, go ahead and raise your hand. You just hate, my wife hates surprises. That's why I love to surprise her. It's just one of those things, right? Uh, but I'm going to surprise you. I've got something for you. And your child is like, what is it? What is it? And you're like, I'm not going to tell you because if I told you, you wouldn't believe me, right? And how then does your child make it through the next week or two weeks or month before that month? Why? How does the, how does the child avoid going insane or, or driving you insane, which it does happen sometimes? But how does that happen? Because they trust you as the giver. They trust that you know them maybe even better than they know themselves. Do you trust the giver? Do you trust God, your father? That when he says, I can't tell you because you wouldn't understand. I can't tell you because no eye has seen and no ear has heard and hasn't even entered into the heart of man. I can't tell you. I know that you see dimly right now, but I'm telling you, if you'll just trust me, one day you will see in full and all of this will make sense. All the pieces will come together. When you read my word and it doesn't quite make sense, when I'm asking you to lay something down and it just feels like it's the exact opposite of what you need to do, trust me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Trust me. I'm a good father. I give good gifts to my children. Trust me. Do you trust the giver? Do you trust at the end of the day, you know what the beautiful thing about that whole story is about you giving a gift to your child is that that gift will be played with and torn up and broken and thrown away and put in a junk pile somewhere. But what's the true gift? The true gift is love. The true gift is the relationship. The true lasting gift is the bond that there is between you and your child, between the Father and you. The true gift of heaven, the true imagination of heaven that we will see is not in the trappings of heaven, it's in the glory of our God. And even saying that, sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't land with a lot of weight sometimes, does it? Like the glory of God, what is that? Maybe it doesn't stir up a desire in you, but I pray that God would awaken your spirit today because all of us must be born again. No one enters the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again, not of spirit and flesh, not of, of flesh and bone, but of spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit God, have mercy on us that we would be awakened and born again today. Those of you who have been born again, you're, you, you were the walking dead. You may have watched that show or whatever. Like, you were a, a spiritual zombie. Before Christ, we were dead in our sins. Once you were dead in our sins, but now you are alive to God in Christ. God looked, the scripture, when it says that, it, it actually literally means that God looked at you and saw a corpse. 
You were walking around, but you were dead in your sins. But he has brought you to life, and now you are alive to God in Christ. That in Christ, when you are born again, you are now living and breathing in the eternal realms of God. Now, as Pastor Aaron so wonderfully puts it, I think he stole it from somebody, I can't, but the already not yet kingdom of God. It's the already right now when God breathes upon you and you live again, you are born again, you are born of spirit. When he breathes upon you, you become alive in eternity. Eternity starts now. Friend, come alive. You were made for the glory of God. The glory of God is your hope. So do you feel stuck? Do you feel that pursuing God and sticking with it is impossible? Do you feel overwhelmed by desires for your own pleasure and glory? Are you afraid of what might happen if you stand on God's word? Are you scared about being an outsider or the future or the end our world is coming to? Friend, If that is you, then what you need is a savior. What you need is a resurrection of your spirit, man. What you need is God to breathe upon you by his grace and to bring you to life. Not just in your walking feet and your beating heart, but in your spirit that God would breathe upon you. And oh, what a gift What gift of grace is Jesus, our Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. We just sung that. What gift of grace that he would call you from death to life? What gift on that day when Jesus walked up to Lazarus' tomb and he said, roll away the stone, he said, Lazarus, come. What gift to Lazarus? Lazarus, what gift was that? that he would call him and resurrect him to life. And herein is the glorious mystery of the good news of Jesus, that we can come face to face with our stuckness, with our own fears, our own anxiety, our own limitations, and find their hope and not despair, promise and not emptiness, life and not death. This, my friends, is the difference between following the path of glorifying self and following the path of glorifying God. Because the end of glorifying self when you feel stuck and fearful and anxious and you hit your limitations and you're you're just done, the end of that is nothingness. The end of that is hopelessness. But the, the real Enigma, the real mystery of the gospel is that when we reach the end of ourselves in these moments, if we look to Jesus, if we look into the face of the glory of Jesus, what we find there is hope. What we find there is a rebirth and a be, an opportunity to start over again. A promise and not emptiness, life and not death. He has made everything beautiful in its time, Ecclesiastes 3.11, and he has put eternity into man's heart. He has put eternity in your heart. Let the Spirit of God, the Word of the Lord, not my words, the Word of the Lord, awaken you to eternity today. Man's glory lasts only a lifetime, but God's glory lasts forever. 
Jesus said in Mark 10, 29, he said, Truly I say to you, there's no one who's left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake or for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Is the giver good? Can he be trusted? And we will say, I think when we get there on that day, oh God, why didn't I forsake it all? Why didn't I give up more? Like the end of the movie Schindler's List where he stands there and he's got his nice coat on and he's standing before all the people that he uh, paid to be rescued from Holocaust and, and from internment camps. And, and he, he paid, he used his money to, to buy these people's freedom. And yet he came and he drives up in his car in his nice coat and he says, why didn't I sell it all? Why, why didn't I just take this coat? Why didn't I sell this car? Why not for one more? And I think that's going to be the weight of the reality that we face when we stand. And I don't, there won't be regret because we will be a whole, we will be a new person, but there will be a weight to it. The weight of the glory of God will show us and will reveal, why didn't I lay down my obsession with being seen and known? Why didn't I lay down my lust for revenge? Why didn't I lay down my obsession with wealth and possessions? Why didn't I lay down my own truth? Why didn't I lay down my same-sex attraction? Why didn't I lay down my desire to be with another woman that's not my spouse? Why didn't I lay down my attempts to change my identity by sheer force of will? Why didn't I lay down my overactive ambition or my anxiety or my right to take my own life or my own anger or my, my right to have self-glorification? First Corinthians, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. I guarantee you when you stand before him on that day, you will know the weight of his glory and you will see all that Jesus left and it will all be worth it. It will be worth it all when you see Jesus. Grace is yours. Eternity is yours. The promise of heaven and the satisfaction of your deepest indescribable longings are found here in Jesus. That is my timer that says to be done. Sorry. Have this mind among you, Philippians 2, verse 6 through 11, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God, the father. Surrender your glory, friends. Lay down your life of pursuing your own glory and come and taste eternity. And our last point is. You have to feed your appetite for God's glory. We're almost done here, but if I could give you one thing, there's a lot of, we could talk about spiritual disciplines, we could talk about all these things back and forth, but here's the essence of what the Lord, I think, wants to say today is just show up. Just show up before the Lord. 
Just show up to be with the Lord. Just show up to taste the glory of the Lord in the big and the small ways, in the moments of your life. Just show up with the Lord. Just show up to read God's word. Just show up to be quiet before the Lord. Turn the radio off, the talk radio or the playlist off in your car and just show up with the Lord. Your, your, your perfect routines and all that mean nothing if, you, if you're not showing up with your heart to listen and to know. How do you know that the gifts are good? You come to know the character of the giver. How do you know the character of the giver? You come and you spend time with him. You come and you show up before him and you wait upon the Lord. So we do not lose heart, 2 Corinthians. For this light and momentary affliction is, a, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and know and trust the character of your God, your good Father. And stop reasoning like a child. Stop thinking like a child. Come and grow up in the Lord. Come and awaken to the gift of grace that you have in Jesus. I just want to read this prayer over you from Ephesians. Paul says this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.